What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Experimentation lives at the center of growth marketing, and it's one of the best ways to explain how marketing combines art and science. Too much of today's marketing is about attribution and data and reporting. We know that's part of experimentation, obviously, tracking left on certain metrics, but the art side is really the idea generation part of experimentation, trying things that you know not a lot of other folks are doing, going against the grain, trying crazy ideas. Isn't that what marketing is all about? Today's main takeaway is the most important part of designing experiments isn't to have a single metric in mind or a rock-solid hypothesis. It's to create a knowledge base of insights from past experiments that everyone on your team can learn from. That's what we're calling sustainable experimentation, and we'll dive into that today. I love I love the 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 takeaway for this, and I can't wait to dive deeper into this. I think that so much uh, in my own career of watching growth marketing and experiments go live, like yeah, we we create them and they're so transactional, the throwaway, and then you know two years down the road, everybody's testing the same thing again, and you're like, dude, we already did this. Let's <laughs> let's look back at the insight. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So at, at the top of this, there there's kind of a cool thing that's um, it has a nice segue into into our topic at the end of it. Um, so bear with me for a sec. But um, Sangram uh, Vajra is uh, one of the coolest uh, marketing leaders that that I follow. I was part of one of his uh, courses for emerging uh, CMOs. But he talks uh, all the time about three kinds of superpowers in marketing leaders. There's the doer, the driver, and the dreamer. The doer is the person on the marketing team that is making sure the world is running today in the best possible way. They're, they're the ones that are just getting stuff done for you. Usually the operational folks on your team are the doers. They're just like scheduling emails, like doing work in the product. The driver is um, people on the team that can push projects through. They're kind of like the project managers, they're secure in process and buy-in. And um, they're basically the ones that take an idea and put a game plan together and work with doers to like make that happen. The dreamer, on the other hand, uh, they, they are forward thinkers who can help kind of shake things up and come up with new ideas, new suggestions. Uh, they spend time kind of imagining the world that they want to live in, uh, kind of more future facing stuff. But they have a bunch of ideas. So uh, I wanted to present these three to you. Um, I'm curious, like which which one you identify with the most. Um, mm. But like my segue in here is that like I'm wholeheartedly a dreamer and like part of growth marketing and experimentation is what motivates me the most because like I spend so much time digesting information and taking notes of cool ideas and keeping a swipe file. Like I, I think I'm a dreamer and it, it lends well to uh, this kind of topic, but where do you kind of see yourself? Oh man, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, it depends on the day, I suppose. I think probably somewhere between the the driver and, and the doer. Uh, I definitely like to push things forward. I find that, um, you know, bringing things to implementation, there's something there that I really enjoy pushing things live. Um, and then the doer, like I, I like to just sit down and jam and go, go, go. And, you know, I, I'm I, a natural idealist, as probably folks on the podcast have picked up on. So, uh, you know, I'll stare at the window uh, dreamingly at, at marketing ideas that, that I'm thinking about, too. So I don't know, like maybe a combination. It's, it's really tough to say. Maybe it's I need somebody else to tell me what I am. 
Yeah, like the the philosophy here is that like as a marketing leader, you should really only have one true shining superpower, and like mm-hmm. like one of these personalities is supposed to like shine through in you. And I, I kind of struggled with it at first too. Like like you like working in a startup team or a small a small marketing team. Um, reality is you're going to be stuck wearing all three of those hats. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're the one coming up with the ideas, you're the one putting the game plan together and you're the one doing the work. Like you're wearing all three of those hats, but in a bigger team and as you're kind of like growing up in in your marketing career, like the idea of like always being the person that does the stuff, um, kind of like you're presented with this opportunity of like wearing more of a strategic Mm -hmm. dreaming hat as opposed to just always being the doer and and the driver. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, I definitely see the doer doer aspect for myself. I love to do, I love to create, love to make. Um, So I'll, I'll, I'll stick there, I'll go with I am a doer. And oh, by the way, I don't ever want to grow up. I always want to be a little kid in marketing and enjoying all the play things. So you'll find me on the floor playing with uh, Martech all the time. I like it. Playing with all the new toys. That's that's actually how I see like growth growth marketers. Like I don't see growth marketers as these like scientists experimenting in a lab like we're we're probably gonna have as the the artwork for for the podcast episode here, but I think of like growth marketers as early adopters. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about like channel fatigue um, and how eventually like marketers ruin every new strategy and every new channel and eventually there's diminishing returns. But that's that's kind of like why experimenting with new channels and new ideas is so, so important in marketing. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a dissenting opinion. I do see marketers as scientists, but maybe the vision of scientists is is a little bit different here. Okay. Like I think of like uh, you, you know Isaac Newton. How did he discover gravity? He was reading a book under a tree, and an apple hit him on the head. I think that's how marketers should be, right? Uh, but here's the key, and I think you're gonna drive deeper into this point as we go. Uh, you can't just walk around, you know, looking for things and observing the universe. That's what fundamentally I think a scientist is about, is observing the universe and trying to understand it. Growth marketers are observing markets and audiences and trying to understand them. The key point that I think you're going to drive at deeply is you have to be able to to capture insights. You have to be able to catalog what you're doing. You have to be able to have some form of objective measures to look back at what you're doing and, and kind of... Uh, uh, getting more value out of it. Scientists will take notes, they'll process experiments. You know, they don't just do one experiment and say, oh, it works, Eureka. They do multiple uh, experiments and then they actually ask others to to replicate their experiments in different environments or the same environment to prove out those results. So I think there's an interest, I, I really like the analogy. Um, and I think that maybe sci- maybe looking at it this way, scientists are early adopters. Fuck it, we're, we're keeping the scientist artwork for, for this episode then, I, I love it. I, you've uh, kind of convinced me there. I think that like the idea of like trying new stuff really early and then like, experimenting on it and and sharing those insights with with the team is is super huge so let's let's get into that a little bit like i i talk to marketers all the time with this uh this like hunger to like experiment and try new stuff and depending on like if you're in-house or freelancer or whatever like uh, your company might have a growth department and like specific uh, people on the team that are coming up with experiments and they're the ones designing them and maybe they work with you to, to implement them so um this is i've seen this differently um in, in a bunch of different companies but in terms of like the elements of how to design an experiment, um, there's kind of like five big buckets for me, goal, objective, 
assumptions and supporting data, your hypothesis, how you're going to implement that experimentation and reporting. What are you doing to see the, the results of that, the performance, the lift on specific metrics, and how are you sharing those insights and kind of like a knowledge base to, to, to help other people on your team, depending on how big your company is, um, to inform them on like the, the next experiments they'll do or just like their, their day-to-day jobs. Yeah. And in my experience, people focus on the fourth step so much uh, mm-hmm. and, and the fifth one a little bit, which is implementing and then do a little bit of reporting after. But I would I, like uh, I would flip this a little bit and I would say the the points that you made here, I totally agree, by the way. Uh, but answering the question why with your goal objective is super, super important. And fundamentally, you can even ask us about before you get into this growth marketing mindset, which, you know, I love growth marketing. Uh, I see myself as uh, playing one on the internet quite frequently. But the idea of when and why should we do experimentation? Like, if you're running a rinky dink website, no offense, um, with 100 visitors a month, like don't don't run experiments, it's just useless. If you have an assumption, push it live, see what happens. Um, it's not the best advice if you're looking at it from a data uh, analy- analytics perspective, but like the truth is, is that you just don't get any return until you have a certain amount of scale. Um, and then the other part that that I really like is uh, that you mentioned is the assumptions, right? Like people come up with experiments all the time, like, you know, oh, what if I were to move my button to the right side or the left side? Like, what are you testing? Like, what are you really testing here? Um, and what if I use, you know, people in my in my uh, hero shot versus a picture of my product? Like, what'll happen? You know, what are your assumptions? Just take two seconds and write that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, uh, lots of cool stuff here. So let's let's dive into the first one. Like, the what's your goal? Like, obviously, that's the, the first part of designing an experiment. What are you trying to improve? Um, I, I like this idea of having a single metric in mind. Like you you kind of mentioned, uh, obviously, you can still monitor like a bunch of secondary metrics, um, but like I, I like picking one main KPI and then having that as kind of like our true north for for this experiment. Um, and obviously, like you, you'll find a bunch of articles on like how to come up with a, a good goal and a good objective. Uh, we don't need to harp on that here, but like a good a good example of uh, an experiment objective could be like double the conversion rate of free trials to paid in the first 30 days from 2% to 4%, something like that, right? Like you're picking a metric, you're picking a spot in the funnel and you're like specifying when um, specifically in that conversion rate and like how much you're wanting it to grow. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. In your experience, like when you're running like new experiments uh, across the funnel like usually the goal and objective is like kind of a step that's done really quickly right because like mm-hmm. the team knows like the mandate and like if you're the marketing team your main metric is trials you're coming up with experiments like your goal and your objective you're quickly going to fly past that right yeah and and especially if you're like you're thinking oh uh, uh you know go from a sign up to a paid account like there might be multiple steps between those two uh, those two conversion points that take days, weeks. Um, having some ideas of early indicators is also a really strong uh, way to support your goals and and you know have your hypothesis. Um, the other thing I like, I really like about this is when you have a statement like double the conversion rate uh, in thirty days to two to four percent. It's very specific, right? And you know, smart goals is is something that we should think about when we're setting up these types of things. But it also gives you the input to know. Well, how, how accurate are my am I guesstimates on on my ability to improve things? Something that I think I've talked with you about is like, what's the addressable improvement on on something? Is it realistic for me to expect that, you know, if my open rates on emails are twenty percent today, which is which is not bad, is it realistic for me to get a fifty percent open rate? Probably not. 
Um, so, but having some experiments that do push that threshold will give you a sense like, well, what, what could happen? Because one thing you will find in, in experimentation is that you end up uh, uh, not really understanding how, how much you can improve something. I love that. Re being realistic about your goals, um, like and understanding the subject matter that you're you're testing there. Yeah, like I don't think fifty percent open rates across the board for for any email marketer uh, is a realistic uh, target. But you know, um, not n nothing wrong with trying to reach for for the sky there. Um, I, it was something you mentioned there that's um, really interesting is this idea of like assumptions, right? Like most marketers will just like pick a goal and just like this is my hypothesis. My hypothesis is that like moving the button or changing the button color or adding this button in, in emails is going to uh, improve our, our conversion rates, right? So I, I like coming up with an experiment with like assumptions that are backing up your hypothesis. So like before you're throwing that out, it, it's important to give like a bunch of content contacts and supporting data for for your idea right so like our, our free trial conversion rate objective for example uh, it's important to have a complete understanding of your user needs and in the first um period of that like tr free trial part like users are still in the discover and the try phase of their experience with your product and understanding like the pain points and the questions the objectives that they have like those are all important parts of your hypothesis if you're specifically like focusing in on that part of the the life cycle for your experiment so yeah kind of like a nice little tip there in your hypothesis doc like you could share supporting data that shows that you know maybe in our example free trial users are more likely to convert to paid users if they've successfully experienced like a series of key moments of delight, for example, from like past reports or something like that. Yeah, and I know you're building up towards this, but write this stuff down in a spreadsheet um, because <laughs> these assumptions can be categorized later on. Totally. Yeah, we'll get to that in a sec. Wait, what do you think of this hypothesis example? Like I was trying to, to come up with one related to the example of like doubling our, our free trial conversion rate. My hypothesis example is free trial signups who are segmented by activity and receive trigger-based onboarding series specific to what they've completed in the product are more likely to achieve a series of moments of delight and are thus more likely to convert to paid than users who receive the current onboarding series. So yeah. here we're basically like adding a bit of data in there and like why we, we think the hypothesis is gonna move the needle on our goal. And um, like we talk about some of the lagging, the lagging indicators here, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, what, what advice do you have on like hypothesis and like it's, it's kind of like the science-y term in, in growth marketing and uh, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think it, it requires some understanding of the higher level strategies that you're looking at. So here you're looking at, oh, what is the difference between behavior-based triggers and time series emails? Um, and how segmented can I get get there? I think, you know, having like a category of which that you're going to experiment, like to channel that you're experimenting with, or, you know, I would also include in this, like, what is what is that primary channel that that the hypothesis comes from um you know just as an example i ran an experiment uh, uh i thought it was a cool experiment we ran for a trial uh one one set uh one segment got emails and one segment did not get emails so we determined how effective are emails at, at triggering you know uh activated or engaged users within the trial series and that assumption actually started to feed into all kinds of other things that we do down the line. Um, our, our assumption or our hypothesis um, basically was to lead to a conclusion. So we had a question at the end that we wanted, to, we really wanted to answer, which is, 
was it worth for us investing more and more money into or resources or people into uh, email series um, for for trial users and having increasing segmentation? Like, is it worth going into your database and coming up with ten segments uh, and then developing uh, trigger based behavior and coming up with something that answered that question early uh, saved us a lot of effort going down the wrong path? I think. Super cool. I'm I'm curious, like how how you guys actually like implemented that, right? Like one one of the key parts of like any experimentation idea is this idea of like cohorted segmentation. Like if you're gonna test like a new onboarding series, like split up your group into two buckets, keep one group into like this main cohorted bucket, and then like have a new test group. So like you're only testing your experiment on half of your group, and then like after X amount of uh, weeks or months, you can really look back and compare the two cohorts. Um, yeah, well, how do you guys uh, implement that, and and what tips do you have for that? stage yeah i think this comes from a deep understanding of your user your user journeys which is something that you already touched upon um i think having leading indicators is super super important um depending on the speed with which you're trying to get some answers like 30 days sometimes like these experiments do need to get a critical mass of volume um and sometimes leaving something like the the experiment i just mentioned it was like a 90-day experiment it took a long time for us to get results because mm. we're not getting like you know, hundreds of thousands of people into into these systems. So we, I think having some early indicators, um, it's super important. I also think having discussions around what are your what are you trying to accomplish. And I think this is a bit of a rabbit hole that growth marketers get down. Is like you know you go into tools, VWO, etc. And I love them by the way. Um, but like you're looking at statistical significance and you're like when will i reach this statistical significance and <laughs> at the end of the day like you just gotta it's marketing right it's it's art and science so you have to take the data uh and look at it but sometimes you actually just have to say this is the direction i want to take the marketing it's validated at least enough that i'm going to go forward with this uh, and sometimes that's that's the realm that you're in, um, particularly if you have a time box on on getting a result. Again, uh, growth marketers don't exist in in some kind of like lab environment uh, where you can sit there and, and segment and dissect and have all these experiments run. You're you're addressing business problems and and likely accountable for some revenue. So you're going to feel some fire underneath your feet. Um, so that's why leading indicators is so important, right? You get that that in, initial like haptic feedback on what you're doing, and you, you're going to have to make some some gut calls that might make data data scientists and data analysts a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I love that the the significance piece there is really tricky, especially in in startup marketing. Like you're hungry, you want experiments, you want to show the results of your experiments, and that like launching this new onboarding series like dramatically improved the amount of users that ended up converting at the end of the day but it's super tricky like you mentioned i actually like when i was scoping out this episode i like one of the topics was statistical significance and i actually ended up like just downplaying that at the end because i think like we can unpack that as almost like a full episode mm -hmm. and just like a b testing rants like um there's so many like good topics that we could uh, or kind of good debates that we could have on there right like most marketing teams like you mentioned don't have a ton of data to work with in the first place so like uh, spending time a b testing this or a b testing that isn't like the the best use of your work um i i love this idea that you mentioned of like leading indicators and mm -hmm. um 
instead of having like a be all end all one goal metric, like pick one metric as like the end goal for this, but pick a couple of leading uh, indicators, you know, maybe your conversion rate to paid is your main goal. But like your first leading indicator is the percentage of users who are active on day one. Yeah. And like after like two, three weeks of running your experiment, like maybe you don't have like a, a good number that you're showing that you're moving the needle on paid conversions, but that first leading indicator, you can see like, oh yeah, we, we made like a big lift in the percentage of total users who were active on day one. And then a couple of weeks later, you can look at like the next leading indicator that might be like percentage of users who completed all the onboarding steps that you wanted to complete. Right. So yeah, um, I actually like, I'm going to write this down as like a, potential for a full episode on statistical significance because yeah like too many startup marketers waste too much time trying to like test this versus that when like the results a aren't conclusive because like <laughs> there is they didn't achieve statistical significance and the second point is like why is this the hardest term to say in growth marketing <laughs> it absolutely is i was just about to trip in and say like a full episode of us having to say statistical significance <laughs> Like Forget you gotta about it. Slow your slow your brain down too much. So, um, but yeah, we'll go down the rabbit hole here. I think, I think one thing that just popped in my head as you were talking is that so many people who end up in a growth marketing role don't come from like a data scientist or data and uh, analytics background, and so we get this imposter syndrome on being able to interpret the data. And I, we talked about this in the reporting episode, but marketers got to lean into their their subject matter expertise here, and really and and make decisive uh, decisions at points. Like, yeah, you do need to have um, at some point, you know, significant enough numbers that you can make a call. Um, but sometimes you you also just need to to be the one who makes that call internally in in your organization and, and make a play for it. Obviously, you're wanting to have decisive results, and I think this is one of the uh, you, you know main mistakes I see in setting up experiments. They're not bold enough, right? If you're going to do an experiment, like it's it's got to be something that's bold. It's got to be something that's going to move the needle. Again, like changing button colors, like. I don't know. Like it, I get that might it might have an improvement on your on your site, but I'm willing to bet it's pretty marginal. You got to do something a bit more radical to drive these types of results, uh, particularly if you're you're at a smaller volume or smaller scale. Like we all read about like the case studies of Airbnb doing this or Dropbox doing that, and yeah, great. If you had a million users, you could do anything too, and you would you'd be able to test whether capitalizing your buttons or whatever is going to make the make a difference, but. At, at probably most of the listeners are at a smaller scale than Airbnb and, and Dropbox. So I think, you know, have, having some decisiveness in what you do, putting radical experiments together, um, testing your hypothesis, you'll get a lot further. Be bold with your experiments. I, I love that, especially in, in small teams. Like, don't, don't waste your time testing the color of this button or testing buy now button in, in your email series. Like the, the most important part of experimenting when, when you're at this kind of like early stage is sharing insights across your team. Once you've kind of like done a couple of cool experiments, um, let's, let's talk about tooling a little bit for, for a sec. I think that Google Optimize is the, the best known name in, in the startup world for, for AB testing on site and kind of just uh, experimentation at large. Uh, I've used 
VWO in, in the past, and I specifically love how they have some really cool collaboration features. And uh, I wanted to kind of like finish off the this episode on on this idea of like sharing insights across your team. And we kind of teased it a little bit. It's kind of our main takeaway at the top of the episode. But you know, you can log observations in VWO from past experiments uh, or data that you've kind of uncovered as you're going through other tools and, and you're looking at like in-app reporting and you can log those insights and observations in VWO. Uh, and like uh, I've been at companies that have used this really well uh, over the course of many years and eventually you could have like a mini filterable database or like a knowledge base of observations that folks on your team can prioritize or sift through. So Imagine like running a growth marketing team and instead of just like having to tell like new onboarded employees to look through like old documentation and old reports to kind of get a sense on like, you know, what past experiments have been done, they can log into VWO and right off the bat, like see experiments that have been run recently, observations that have been collected in the past. And like, these are all really cool ways of like promoting new experiments because like these observations eventually lead into like new hypotheses that uh, are also like unique objects in, in VWO. But yeah, before diving in too deep, like I know you you used VWO um, in the past. Like what what do you have to say about tooling around like A, A B testing? And uh, yeah, what do you do? You love VWO? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I we're I'm using VWO currently. I find it's a, it's a pretty dope system. I think most of the systems these days are. Uh, have a lot of value. The observations feature, I think, is an awesome one uh, that VWO does provide. And I think this leads into into like one of the thoughts that I've had in the past. Uh, I don't run a growth marketing team currently, but if I were to do that, one of the things that I would absolutely set up is like an insights team, right? And it doesn't need to be just people that are on your growth team, but I would actually commoditize these insights and share them with the organization. And there's a couple of reasons I do this. First of all, I want to make sure that the value I, I'm adding value to the organization, and I'm I'm you know communicating that value. We're marketers; we got to market internally as well. So share what you're doing for experimentation. Uh, the next one is is that folks internally love A/B tests. Like, have you ever shared an A/B test result with a CEO? Like, dude, it is magic. Most CEOs are just go crazy over this stuff, it's and there's so a reason. True. This is fucking cool. Uh, part of my language. Um, the the other one is is I come back to this radical experimentation. Like, if if you are testing boring things, um, you're you're never going to get anywhere with growth marketing. There's no point in in doing it. Um, so you're not going to just be able to generate ideas on your own. You gotta you gotta go out of the out of your comfort zone. Go out of the marketing department. Go ask your sales team what to experiment with. Go talk to your developers or your your product designers. Like. They are close to the customer. They're close to the product. They're going to have radical ideas. Like they're just because they're not in marketing. Everybody thinks like a marketer. I think uh, when you, when you start talking internally, uh, and so if you have this insights team where you can bring structured insights to to people, these observations, you will get so much value from other people who get hyped up about what you're doing because like everybody gets hyped about growth marketing experiments. Like it's just it's just like a rule of of the land. <laughs> Um, and having and having these like structured meetings with people where everybody can throw fire at what you're doing, like that's where the rubber meets the road with a lot of growth marketers. And I feel like a lot of people skip this step, right? They don't talk about what they're doing, um, they don't share it, they don't invite others to to the table. And I think this is where, you know, the tooling aside, like having these this structure, this is gonna this is gonna be a, a huge accelerant to your own career. 
There you go, folks. Um, we're calling it sustainable experimentation. Basically just means don't just focus on the ideation part of growth marketing. Also focus on creating a knowledge base of insights from past experiments that you've run so that everyone on your team can also learn for new experimentations. Catch you guys very soon.